This podcast is offered by the San Francisco Zen Center on the web at www.sfzc.org. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Good evening. Wonderful to see you all here tonight. Um, and my intention tonight is to speak a little bit about loving kindness practice, um, which has deeply impacted my own life um, and was surprisingly more a part of Zen than I realized when I got into Zen. Um, But just a moment ago, I was coming down from the um, upper parking lot. Um, Whatever it is I do up there. (laughs) Acting out my own personal form of suffering um, and study. Um, But I stopped at the gate to um, just admire it. It's this beautiful piece of... antique Zen symbol. You know, the, the gate is this um, powerful um, yeah, symbol in Zen and um, and something so, sort of so old looking in the middle of our uh, a refuge here, but you know our modern um, Western culture. Um, it's it's a beautiful piece in a, in a beautiful place, you know, the, the stark kind of raw beauty of the mountains here and the feeling of a kind of beautiful oasis here with the creek and the trees. Um, the sort of aging beauty of the bathhouse and all of its beautiful wood. Um, and then the unadorned beauty of uh, this space where we congregate. But as I was admiring it, it visually struck me, for some reason, the gate is open. Um, So for those that don't know, twice a year we have a a ceremony where the whole community walks up to the gate um, to open it in the spring and to close it in the fall. So whatever's happened here in the last few months that have changed our plans and our lives, um, the gate is open. Um, To what? Um, What are we welcoming through that gate? So loving-kindness practice is largely um, kind of associated with Vipassana practice, I believe, but I was struck when I um, started practicing Zen how many Zen teachers would talk about loving-kindness. Um, <clears throat> and to sort of contextualize it in my understanding, you know, there's, um, there's lots of aspects of practice in Zen that we all know body practices of chanting and bowing, um, work practices of care and being with, um, 
the kind of ultimate practice of shikantaza of just being, you know, uh, being open, being kind of the experience of the present moment uh, without hindrance. Um, but I think, you know, skillful means is a powerful teaching of the Buddha. So sometimes we need different medicines. Loving-kindness has been a, a powerful one for me personally. Um, and just out of curiosity, how many people have a practice or have practiced loving-kindness? Maybe a little more than half. Um, so I think of loving-kindness as a, a shamatha practice, as a, as a way of softening our own being so that we can experience the present moment. So the way it's been taught to me in Zen is as an expedient means to more deeply settling into our experience so that we can, I don't know, witness it, work with it, just be. What is it that keeps us from settling into who we are right now? Um, <clears throat> so sometimes it, it, it's clear to me that we need um, some way of uh, comforting ourselves, soothing ourselves, uh, taking care of ourselves, so that we may be present, so that may, we may be available both to ourselves and to others and to who we are in this life with. And ultimately that includes everything. Um, but we can start small, you know, who am I here in this room with? Um, what might help me be present with them and their experience? Um, <clears throat> So the basics of loving-kindness practice, and there are many forms, it's actually a kind of beautiful practice in that it is a kind of creative practice. Uh, we are encouraged to adjust the phrases so that they mean something to us, they evoke something from our being. But the basics is that there's generally three or four phrases that we repeat few times. Often it's taught that we start with ourselves um, and then we kind of gently expand our, our sense of love, our feeling of connection to wider and wider um, circles of being. So I wonder if you would maybe just uh, join me if you would like um, and just for a moment saying the phrase, may I be happy to yourself. So say it maybe with each breath. May I be happy.
realize this may be a little different than facing a wall. You know, we're sitting kind of sort of looking at each other, and sometimes there's a, it's harder to kind of deeply settle into our experience. But I'm wondering, just even on the surface, what you notice when you say that phrase to yourself. Do anybody have any thoughts? Good. <laughs> what does easy feel like? Okay. Hmm. Any resistances? Difficulties? from word go. Yeah, that sounds like being a human being. <clears throat> yeah, so any other... Well, that sounds like my experience of loving-kindness practice. Um, and in fact, that is the practice in my understanding is we say a phrase, uh, we offer something, first to ourselves and then to others in an expanding way. Um, but the practice isn't sort of remembering to say the phrase, may I be happy. The practice is the, the response, the, the kind of what that evokes or awakens, and can we be with that, or um, can we Yeah, even kind of notice what the response is, but also I think the practice is like more and more can we be open to whatever the response is. Um, so when I do loving kindness practice, there's a kind of almost a question in each phrase. May I be happy? Is that possible in this moment? Maybe not. Certainly, in starting this kind of practice, there's a there's a response in me of this is kind of hokey. Like, what am I talking to myself in this kind of? Um, what am I hoping will happen here? And I think it's really important to uh, remind ourselves that actually the practice isn't about imposing happiness on something that isn't happy. It's a way to study what actually is. What is this body and mind experiencing in this moment? <clears throat> and I think this is where, for me, it intersects with Zen. Um, <clears throat> that we say the phrase, may I be happy, 
And then there's just this, our senses open, like what is the present moment? And if the response is like, this is ridiculous, you know, oh, okay, that's how I feel right now, or that's, that's some experience that I'm having right now, okay. And then pause, and then may I be happy? So that's also the kind of steady beat of practice, you know. Oh, okay, yeah, that's what's happening now, and how about now? Uh, investigation. So the very basics of this practice are that there are generally four phrases. Um, and the first, interestingly, is about um, safety, about um, feeling okay enough to be present. Um, and um, so the phrases are meant to be adaptable. They're meant to be changed so that we um, that they land for us. And in Sharon Salzberg's book, um, The Revolutionary Art of Loving Kindness, she suggests that classically there are four phrases. So the first is, may I be free from danger. The second is, may I have mental happiness. The third is, may I have physical happiness. And the fourth is, may I have ease of well-being. The very first um, offering to ourselves and to others uh, is that we're able to be present you know, at all, that the conditions of our life support us to be present. And that's not always possible. You know? It's not always accessible in, in anybody's life. So variations of the first phrase are, um, may I be free from danger, or may I have safety, or may I be free from fear. Sometimes I've adapted that last one to be, may I be free within fear or something. So again, to me, this isn't about denying or suppressing any experience. Can I encourage myself to be there with that experience? That's hopefully the practice. So the second phrase is, may I have mental happiness, or kind of have some ease of mind. And variations for that is just simply, may I be happy. May I be peaceful, may I be liberated. The third is, may I have physical happiness, so some sort of physical well-being. Variations are, may I be healthy, may I be healed. Uh, one that I've used for years is, may I make a friend of my body. May I be in relationship to my own experience in a friendly way, uh, a way of care. Or may I in 
embody my love and understanding. And the fourth phrase, may I have ease of well-being. So this has to do with uh, our relationships, uh, family issues, livelihood, sort of our interaction with the world. Um, So variations are, may I live with ease, may loving kindness manifest throughout my life. Or the one that I often use is, may I dwell in peace. So, ahimsa, may I cause no further harm. Um, And then I think maybe most people know there's a kind of saying these phrases to ourselves hopefully with a with kind of some regularity of our breath or kind of working with our breath um, maybe we say this phrase to ourselves: may i be free from fear and then like let a full exhale and inhale a full breath to sort of just have that register in our being After saying the phrase just a few times, then we move on to the next phrase till we go through all four for ourselves. Then traditionally, we direct these to our to a teacher or a spiritual friend. May my teacher be free from fear. May my teacher be uh, have physical and mental well-being. Um, and then often a. a a family member or grandparent, somebody who you know loves you or cares about you. And then a neutral person, which is always a kind of interesting, um, how do we find a neutral person in our life? We are creatures who are sort of making judgments and assessments all the time. Is there somebody that's truly neutral in our eyes? I think sometimes it's the easy one that I've heard is like the cashier at the store you went to today. Um, As long as you're not already friendly with that person. um, And how does it change your relationship to somebody that you probably don't know very well if they're truly neutral? Um, How does it change your relationship to them to wish them well? And then the next person is the difficult person. And this is often kind of very rich practice for for any of us to have somebody that really feels difficult to us and to truly wish them well or or attempt to. Again, these phrases are a question like, may so-and-so be happy. And then the practice is like, can I really feel that? Is that true um, in this moment? And then traditionally, you take that whole group of people and wish them all well together. And go through the four phrases with those that whole group of people, and then expanding it to all beings everywhere. 
feeling the spaciousness of just a vast open heart. So I bring this practice up tonight, you know, because I know we've all had a tough time um, in the last few months, and that perhaps our summer did not turn out the way we thought it was going to or something. Um, and um, in a way, we've lost trust with each other, but maybe also ourselves, you know, how do we get so kind of um, hurt or lost or something that we don't even kind of know where to, to land in our own experience. So in in Buddhist practice and in Zen practice, in my experience, there is uh, a space to take time to consciously turn our practice towards ourself and um, increasingly towards those around us. But I think we have to start with ourselves to be available. practice like this, any kind of um, shamatha practice, a soothing practice, um, and we stick with it, it has this ability to kind of have a life of its own that um, the first 10 times or the first 100 times that I say, may I be happy, um, or may this difficult person be happy, the response is like, no way, you know, like, you know, that's not really accessible right now. Um, but then maybe I'm standing in line at the store and I have a kind of stream of negative thoughts or just difficult um, state of mind. And I hear in the background, may I be happy. There's a way that we intentionally undertake a practice and then that practice begins to undertake us. Um, so if you are just starting with this particular practice, you know, please um, give it some time. Um, and I guess my encouragement is to please find some time for a practice that helps ground you in your experience so that there is an ability to be open uh, and caring for each other. actually the basics of what I wanted to say this evening and um, I don't want to keep us all too long but I'm wondering if there are questions or thoughts or things that you would like to share at this point. 
Okay. How do you feel like for yourself doing this practice? When did you notice something maybe shifted or not? Mm -hmm. and, and if you were able to kind of um, shape it. I came to this practice, you know, pretty early in some practice. There was a study group um, at the temple that I was going to that um, was reading this book together and, and practicing it. Um, but it was some version of, of what I was saying about, um, I think actually it was, it was kind of feeling lost or disconnected from my own experience. I think that's where we start is with um, profound suffering. Um, thinking or hoping that this was some way to kind of reconnect to my own felt being, my emotional center, something, you know, um, and trying it for a while and being really frustrated, um, and, uh, and then I remember being in a store and it was actually somebody in front of me in line who started arguing with the cashier, um, and uh, like something, some part of my mind said, you know, start saying, may, may you be happy. You know, I think in my own emotional feeling of disconnection, um, that might have been a kind of anger towards that person or a kind of like, oh, I don't want to be here, like something's happening and people are getting mad or something. Maybe. But instead what came up through my being was like a wish for this person who was really upset to be okay. That was a sort of moment where the practice wasn't something that I was like, um, yeah, like doing and creating, and it was a kind of like personal project. It was like something that then was interacting with me, with my, my life and experience. Yeah, Robbie, did you have a. I think this is actually the most important aspect of the practice is um, you know, ultimately we're trying to develop a kind of authenticity through which we can wish ourselves and other people well but at first we're just experimenting with the phrase and seeing what comes up um, but you know the short answer is like acceptance you know, on a, on a not like whether I like it or don't like it, it's good or bad. It's just like that is 
the arising of this present moment within my experience. So, yeah, I say the phrase and then I have some internal response. It's not necessarily you know, verbal or it's just a kind of felt sense. Yes, no, you know, yuck. Um, oh, you know, it's that open, yeah, okay, that's, that's it. That's what's happening. And then letting that go, like not kind of then further analyzing what that response is. Oh yeah, that's what's happening. Pause. May I be happy. You know, like investigate further just through the feeling without kind of trying to define it uh, even for ourselves. Yeah, there, there's like an allowing, but there's, it's also like investigation. I don't know how to, you know, without, without words necessarily, but there's like, oh, there's information there about how I'm actually doing or what my experience is. So on one level, it's like, um, yes, allowing whatever that manifestation is, but in a way it's also, there's a curiosity like, oh, really, that's, that's my response right now. Oh, maybe I wasn't quite in tune with that particular aspect of my experience. Okay. Yeah, I'm wondering about the fruit of this practice. Um, if loving kindness practice is something that uh, is relegated to the cushion or if it's something that um, we enact and if we enact it I'm hoping you can for example tell me if I'm interacting with the difficult one mm -hmm. what does loving kindness practice look like in action mm -hmm. yeah I think there's a lot of sort of behind the scenes work, um, like investigating with the practice on the cushion. But I would say, you know, I, ideally, this isn't how we spend our whole like period of zazen or something, you know, that this is a kind of a thing we interact with and then let go of, like most sort of directed practices. Um, and so it also isn't restrained to the cushion in the sense of in a practical way, like um, I used to go walk in the woods near where I lived, when I, especially when I felt upset or just sort of unregulated or something, I would go walk in the woods and be, be kind of offering these phrases and trying to tune into what the experience was in response. Um, and I think that's the case with the difficult person. So um, one is identifying who the difficult person is, like that's an interesting practice in itself. Like when I say, I'm gonna send loving kindness to the difficult person, like who comes to mind? 
maybe it's nobody, you know, in a certain moment. Maybe it's a lot of people. Um, and then I think, you know, doing the formal practice of either sitting or, or walking and just saying phrases and having that person be in mind um, is a kind of investigation to my relationship to that person. You know, why is it, you know, and, and again, wordlessly, it's just sort of happening as I'm interacting with this both acknowledgement that this person is difficult for me and my my vow to practice with that or to kind of try to bridge that gap or something. Um, so in the formal practice, when I say, may I be happy to that person, and all kinds of responses happen within me, I'm actually um, changing my relationship to that person. Not in a kind of imposed way, like I have to be nice to that person. Um, I have to understand where they um, where they're at, you know, or uh, understand where my own conditioning is being kind of uh, invoked by this particular person or the way we interact. But my answer to you is it's subtle. Like I think in in consciously doing this practice, there's some kind of like transformation of my understanding of my whole relationship to this person. And then in my experience, that alters has to alter the way that I actually interact with that. Like which then changes the relationship, which then changes the ways that they do or don't kind of evoke certain responses. So it's a kind of deepening or, or broadening of my understanding of that person and myself. Um, that often when somebody is difficult for me, it's because I've attached to some limited aspect of that person uh, and, and gotten caught there. This practice is a way of kind of loosening that stuckness. Um, but I feel like your, your question is more like, how do I express loving kindness in the world? I was satisfied and yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hear that question and it's, it's a good one. And I don't know that I have some. I think doing some conscious practice away from that person does transform my relationship to that person and that actually has something to do with how I'm then acting in the world. I mentioned early on is that my understanding of the place of loving-kindness practice in Zen practice is as an expedient means, is as a way of dropping into our experience of the present moment. Um, and I want to just share a poem briefly um, of maybe that fuller experience of a kind of connected reality that we we might 
more fully inhabit through our conscious practice with loving kindness or any kind of um, ability to um, stabilize and be in our experience. So this is um, a poem from Hongzhir uh, that was translated by uh, Tygen Leighton in Cultivating the Empty Field. Hongzhir's, uh, this is titled Perfect Wandering. The eye that engages the fluctuations and the body that voyages over the world are empty and spirited, still and illuminating, and appear extraordinary amongst the 10,000 forms. They cannot be buried in the earth's dust and cannot be bundled in the cocoon of past conditioning. The moon traverses the sky the clouds depart the valley, reflecting without mind, operating without self, becoming radiant and benevolent. This is how everything is perfect, cast off fully, and functioning freely. This is called the body emerging from inside the gate. Still, this must be enacted while you continue the family business. Still, this must be enacted while you continue the family business. Emptiness is your seat. Stillness is your shelter. Subtly maintained without being existent. It does not involve conditioning genuinely illuminating without being non-existent. It does not fall into quantification. Alone and splendid within the circle, profoundly revolving beyond all measure, perfect wandering is guided by the spirits. The great square is without corners. Here you're you exert energy and naturally, without impediments, comprehend all the shifting and accept your function. <clears throat> so thank you all for your kind attention this evening. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the San Francisco Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered free of charge, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your financial support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information, visit sfcc.org and click Giving.